somebody say this, and it really rang true for me, that whatever situation we're talking about, that we're talking about the Psalms, whatever situation you find yourself in, if you start reading through the Psalms, especially if, if you find yourself <laughs> like in a kind of a desperate situation, just keep reading the Psalms until you find your voice. Because laced in all of those books, you're going to find your voice. I don't care what kind of situation. If you're in a dark pit, you're going to read about, well, he took me up out of that pit. He put me on a rock. You know, you're going you're gonna to find something that absolutely identifies with your voice. And the thing I love about David, it's one of the things we're going to explore. We're going to be in Psalm 144 tonight. That he makes some really powerful declarations. I mean, he just gets uh, commanded. So we're going to look at that. Amen? All right. Psalm 144. Part of it I'll be kind of reading in the Amplified Version because I like it. I like a lot of words. So... Psalm 144, we're going to start with verse 1. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, my keen and firm strength, who teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. There's some wonderful words in there. My rock, something unmovable, keen, I love this, to think clearly and understand that which is not obvious. Isn't that good? Sometimes we need a keen thought just kind of dumped down inside of us, don't we? Firm strength, ability to resist being moved or broken by a force. Boy, do we ever need that. When we cry out to God, we always think of him as that way. I don't know about you, but there are sometimes I just need a perspective change. I I can be viewing life one way. Um, and boy, howdy, did I ever view life away today? I I, I, I literally about eleven o'clock. I was kind of I was sharing with Rhonda this morning or this when we got here early and. I just thought, why? Why did I ever agree to preach in the middle of harvest? I know how hard this season is. My boss and I went through, we always do this. He's a very, very strong genius. I mean, he's genius. His brain is out there like should be in the world's book, Guinness Book of Records or something. He can think things up that, I mean, it sends me spinning. And because he's so brilliant, many times he's not a very good communicator. Now, the first time in seven years, was the first time today, he actually admitted to me, well, you know, Pam, I'm not a very good communicator. Duh! <laughs> you know, we were going back and forth, and I get so precise because I know what it's like. So I go in and I just say very clearly, okay, now, this is what you want, A, B, C. Is that right? That's exactly right, Pam. That's exactly what I want. So he goes away, and I go in, and it takes hours to do this meticulous work. And I line up A, and I line 
camping. I love it. See? Huge spreadsheet sheets with millions of dollars. I take them back in there. Okay. <laughs> That's not what I said. And I mean, this went on for three solid hours. We went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, I just said, I wanted to do this. I was telling, I, I was, I was telling uh, Rhonda, I said, I actually wanted to just say, okay, can you just stop right there? Just stop for a second. Let me run outside and cry for about five minutes, and then I'll run right back in, and then you can just have at it. And I told him that. And he just laughed. I said, you know, I want to give you what you want so bad. It is like my passion to give it to you exactly the way you want it. I really am not trying to resist you. I am not trying to work against you. I want to give you exactly what you want. And then he began to laugh, and it just broke everything, you know. And he said, Pam, I, you know I always get this way during harvest. I don't, I don't mean to. I just get so angst and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So finally, at the last time when he was going to have me do it one more time, he just said, as I finally, I, I challenged him one more time, I said, you really are going to make me cry today, aren't you? And I'm laughing, you know, but inside I'm like, trembling, I'm thinking, I have to teach today. But anyway, hallelujah. He finally, he just took the spreadsheet and he goes, you know what, this is great for now. I have everything I need in that column and we're just going to go from there and we'll pick it up tomorrow. And I said, glory to God! Oh, you know, he really is my rock. He really is my high tower. He watches over me. I mean, you you just don't know who I used to be. Ten years ago, that would have put me under. I would have been in deep, dark depression forever. It would have taken me forever for someone to get a shovel and dig me up out of that pit because I would have just been convinced I was a failure. I couldn't give the man what he wanted. I would have taken it that I was stupid. And instead, because I could laugh at it, and I could just approach him in such an open way and be, you know, just communicate to him that I want to give him what he wants, he finally said to me for the first time in seven years, you know, Pam, I'm just not a very good communicator. <laughs> that was a huge victory, you guys. Huge. Because my God is my rock. Hallelujah. Verse 2. He is my steadfast love. He's my fortress and my high tower. My deliverer, he delivered me today. He's my shield, and it's in him whom I trust and take refuge. This next one I love. Who subdues my people under me. You know, when I kind of read some of the commentaries, it talked about, it tried to bring out that it was talking about subduing my enemies under me. But I really got to looking at that word, and it didn't say that. That's not what the word said. It said my people, my very own people. So, you know, I like to do this when I'm, you know, I just chew on things. I just meditate on them. So I started thinking about that, and I thought, all right, I live in America. We're one people, right? We're a united people. We're under one kind of government and rulership. How close are we to being subdued under one leadership? 
we're pretty far. You know, when you think about it, as a country. <sighs> David was not moved by the divisions of things that were happening in his, his kingdom. And he was making a powerful declaration. You subdue my people. You bring them into alignment according to your will and your glory. And I just think there's so many of us, we might not be a king, but we're in leadership. Some of us are parents. We all have opportunity to give in to manipulation, give in to control, give in to anger as we rule, but you're not doing it my way. Or we could be really secure in God, using his principles, partnering with heaven, and trusting that he's going to subdue, uh, subdue my people. Amen? You know, one of the reasons Benjamin and I, I mean, I'll just be transparent. One of the reasons Benjamin and I are at this church, we're not ruled by manipulation here. Amen? I remember because right before we came to this church, we were someplace else, and um, th there was a little bit of a, you know, I'm just not, it was just a, a kind of a controlling situation. And I remember um, Anthony and Laura, we had them over for dinner. Greg Terry was in town, and. Uh, we were all sitting outside. Um, I don't know. We hadn't been at the church, but maybe, maybe a year, probably under a year. And we were sitting outside having dinner, and I remember Greg and Benjamin going inside, and they were doing some techie thing together. And I was sitting out with, with uh, Pastor and Laura, and I just remember just being so overwhelmed, and I just broke down and cried because there was such freedom. I just, I knew that no matter what, I would never be so manipulated. I mean, from before it was like every Monday morning, Pam, I got a, I got a call, I got a complaint. They heard, somebody heard you speaking in tongues. Well, you know what? I speak in tongues. I'm sorry. You know that when you put me on staff, I speak in tongues. It's, I can't stop it. I've been doing it since I was 13 years old. It'd be like you know, cutting off my face or something. I speak in tongues. And, um, you know, so it's just so refreshing. So refreshing. Anyway, hallelujah. <laughs> oh. Let's see, where are we at? How fast am I going here? Because I really wanted to share this little story. A little story about Hezekiah. I'm going to give you the reference because I'm going to kind of paraphrase it so we can kind of hurry up here because his leadership style just It's uh, found, this whole story is found in Isaiah 36 and 37, if you're taking notes. And um, the king of Assyria was coming up against Hezekiah and his kingdom. And he sent his messenger. And he comes up to the city gates. And he's taunting. You think that you're going to be saved? Do you think your God's going to save you? Don't 
trust in God? And, you know, he's just making all these accusations. Then he starts in and he starts saying to the people, he starts promising them, if you come and serve the king of Assyria, he's going to give you riches and he's going to give you this. And he's, if you just come on my side. So the leaders of the city, they run out, they run out, they run out to the messenger. Oh, please, just speak to us in Armenian. We understand Armenian. Just speak to us in that language so that, you know, he gets like the bullhorn out. And he's not only is speaking, but now he's proclaiming it so the whole city hears his dastardly deeds. Then he says, hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you because he's not going to be able to deliver you. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying the Lord will surely deliver us. Do not listen. Don't listen to him. I think we have a bunch of devils telling us stuff like that sometimes. Make peace with me by a present and come out to me and every one of you will eat from his own vine and everyone from his own fig tree. And he goes on and on and on and on. Verse 21. This is stellar. This is real leadership here. We're talking a whole kingdom. But they held their peace. And they answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was, do not answer. How would you like to be in leadership of a people? That you knew that you gave a decree, an order, and even if it meant um, possibility of their own lives, that you were going to obey, the people would obey that order. That just blows me away. Isn't that awesome? Subduing people under you. Any one of us that are in authority, I really challenge you, meditate on that. What does that mean, Holy Spirit? In my situation right now, the people that are under me, I don't care if it's, you know, children, students in a classroom. The people that are under me, that you put under my authority, how can I use your tools to bring about kingdom results and leave aside the things that we're tempted. I mean, we're all tempted. I bet if I push this button, I can get them to do that. I bet if I threaten this, I can make them do this. I bet if I dangle this little carrot out here with a little raise, they'll do that. Yeah, you know? Anyway, hallelujah. I just like that story, so I want to throw that in. <laughs> hallelujah. And the very end of the story, just so that you know, the angel of the Lord just happens to show up and smite 180,000 of them. Oh, and that wicked king, he got called back to his own land. And while he went into the to his own God and he's worshiping, his sons just killed him. Just, just took him off. Don't ever underestimate the power of your God. Amen? Okay, back to Psalm 144. Verse 3. I think David, many times when he, this is a Psalm of David, and he's writing, and he'll just go into all kinds of different dialogues, and like one minute, bless the Lord, you're my rock, you're so awesome, strong, almighty. Then he's thinking there a little bit, and he's just kind of, oh, but 
my day. Then he comes up with, Lord, what is man that you would take notice of him? Or the son of man that you would take account of him? Man is like vanity. It's like a breath. His days are as a shadow that pass away. He penned these exact words in verse 3 in Psalm 8, 4 through 8. And I think David's a lot like me. When I'm, when I'm journaling, I journal for a little while. I just say what's in my heart. Then I pause. Remember, stay lost, pause and think about that. And I pause and I think. And I'm, I'm just, just suppose. He might have thought about, you know what, I penned that once before. Sometimes I do that. I go back in my journals and I look at things that I've wrote. But anyway, Psalm 8, 4 through 8. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things underneath his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, that pass through the paths of the sea. See, God created us to partner with him. When Adam was created, we have no idea before Eve came or before the fall. We don't have any idea of his length of days. He could have been around here for a thousand years. We don't know. A day is a thousand years. How long does it take to to name every single animal and plant and all that kind of stuff. He co-created with God. Do you know that the animals did not have actually um, their characteristics until after he named them? In naming them, it gave them what they were. Think about Eve. Eve was created as woman. If you go back to Genesis, she was created as woman. They were Adam male and female. That's the account before the fall. After the fall is when he names her Eve. What does Eve mean? The mother of all living things. That's when she conceived. He named her. So powerful, but he co-created. He co-labored. Do you know that you and I stand in that exact same position as Adam did with God to partnership to release life, to release words, to release things over the unseen realm. Those animals weren't fully um, developed into their stature and exactly what they were. I mean, I just think, you know, okay, Adam, look at this one. What should we call? I mean, you know, what fun. Can you imagine in tandem with the Lord of glory? over something brand new? I mean, I dream of stuff like that. I think about eternity a lot. I always think, you know, what am I going to be doing in eternity? I just, like, want to help God. Let's, let's create some new hummingbirds or flowers or something, you know? It's fun. Anyway, I know I dream a lot. Oh, hallelujah. Something very, very powerful happens between verse 4 and verse 5. He gained some strength and determination. 
there's like this powerful surging within him because all of a sudden he goes from, oh, oh, who am I? I'm just a vapor. Oh, to, listen to this, verse 5. He's like commanding. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning and scatter my enemies. Send out your arrows and embarrass and frustrate them. Stretch forth your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of the hostile aliens, the tribes around us, whose mouths speak deceit whose right hands are right hands raised in fraudulent oaths. That's some pretty powerful stuff. You have something coming against you. We don't war against flesh and blood, but do you know you have every right and every authority to just step up to the plate and begin to speak to the rulers and the powers of darkness that are over the circumstance of your life? There were times in the past, I mean, my boss and I were at great odds. When I first started working for him, it was very troubling, to say the least. It's only by the grace of God I was able to stand there and stay there. Um, he had a terrible alcohol drinking problem. When I took the job, my, my, I told my husband, I said, this makes absolutely no sense to me. I'm taking a job. I'm taking a huge cut in pay. I have no benefits. And oh, by the way, he's an alcoholic. But it's the assignment of the Lord. And I began to partner and, and made his wife my prayer partner. And, um, and since then, I've just seen the miraculous happen. But do you know, when he was literally gone out of office, I would go into his office. In fact, I remember one time Janet came in with me, and we got our little anointing oil, and we went all the way around his office. We anointed, you know, his couch, and we anointed his chair, and we're lathering it all up around everything. You know, we're just praying up a house of fire, and we're just praying and declaring and, and setting free. And I'm telling you, that man is in complete freedom. He's been sober now, I don't know, five years? to the glory of God. I mean, he was on a quick downward spiral. And God rescued him. Why? Because somebody got on an assignment from heaven and began declaring some things. Amen? Whatever situation you find yourself in, Instead of giving way to what the soul wants you to do and going down and just partnering with this soul that wants to scream and rant and rave and, you know, have a fit. Psalm 131, I advise everybody on the planet to learn it. I don't concern myself with matters that are too high for me. There's a lot of matters in life that are way too high for me. I can't think about the ISIS problem. I pray for them. I can't think about how things are being ruled in this country. I'll, I'll be like nothing. I'll be of no value to anyone if I think of things like that that are too high for me. But 
But I calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child with its mother. I have calmed and quieted my soul. And I'd have to just flat take my soul to the woodshed sometimes. I'm serious. It's a strong little booger. And it wants to get into something that ain't God, believe me. Amen? <sighs> Isaiah 54, I'm sorry, Isaiah 45, 14. As David is declaring these powerful words, he penned a very powerful statement. Literally, it kind of puts me trembling. But he said, the Lord is saying, Command me ye. This isn't the, you know, old-fashioned um, King James version. To stretch forth my hand. In other words, he's telling us. He's literally giving us permission, telling us. There's a powerful message by Jerry Seville that we were at uh, Kenneth Copeland Believers Convention, I don't know, probably 15 years ago. And I mean, I sat, he went and he actually brought out this entire message on how the hand of the Lord stretching it out, but how he's waiting for us many times to partner with him. Tell me what to do. My angels, I've given them, they're hearkening, they're just waiting. I don't know, what is that one psalm? So I'd have to look it up. I'm sorry. I think it's 103.20. The angels of the Lord, they hearken to the voice of the Lord their God. When we speak forth this word, do you know we're just putting angels on assignment? There they go. And the minute that we speak without an unbelief, they have to put a break. What happened, Lord? Oh, my God. What happened? What happened? Oh. Here we go, now on another mountain, waiting until somebody will speak out the word of the Lord. Oh, wait, somebody's in faith over here. Come on, let's get ready, let's get ready. I mean, think about it. We have this kind of power. And to sit and entertain this woe is me, or it's so dark, or it's so hard, if you only understood... I don't, you know, I do. I've been there. But I didn't stay there. And I just really encourage you. You know, find out in your situation. Ask Holy Spirit. He's so full of words. He's so full of words. And he'll give you the perfect formula, the perfect just inspired thoughts. They'll just come out of nowhere. And you'll just go, whoa, that's Awesome, God. Amen? All right. I love how he finishes this up. Verse 9. Whew, he begins to worship. And he begins to declare over his future. Thinking, okay, that mess is all cleaned up. The enemy is already taken care of because I've got angels on assignment. God stretched forth his hand. All that's done. Now let's start speaking into the future. Amen? I'll sing a new song to you, O God. 
Upon a harp and an instrument of ten strings, I offer my praise to you. Verse 12. I love this. Oh, I love this. When our sons shall be as plants grown, in lar- grown large in their youth, and our daughters as sculptured cornered pillars, hewn like those of a palace. When our garners are full, or our barns, affording all manner of store, and our sheep bring in four thousands and ten thousands in our pastures. When our oxen, not if, you notice it didn't say if, when our oxen are well loaded, when there's no invasion of hostile armies, and no going forth against the besiegers, and when there is no murder or manslaughter and no outcry in the streets. Isn't these our prayers when we pray about our legacy? We talk about our children, that they're strong pillars, that there's plenty of provision, that there's no murder in the streets. The wonderful thing about David is we get to see what these words produced. Because it doesn't stop when he dies. We literally get to see his legacy living on through the next generations. Solomon was the richest man that ever lived, ever, in all creation. They can't even measure the the amount of wealth that he had. It was immeasurable. Try to get your mind around that. Solomon ruled well for a season. He didn't finish well. But for the sake of David, he still was accounted. Do you realize, even though he he didn't finish well, God chose to use three of his books and put it in his holy Bible. Three books. How many of us, when a man or a woman of God falls, and we're ready to condemn them, cut them off, We don't want to have anything to do with them. But what about when they were really walking with the Lord and they had many wonderful things to say? Oh, no, 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 no. They didn't, they didn't, they weren't doing well. We judge them. We just judge them off. I'm so thankful that God didn't judge Solomon that well. You know what I believe that it cost Solomon? You remember the legacy of the children of Israel through generations? They talked about Abraham, but it wasn't just Abraham. Abraham, our father. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe Solomon had every opportunity to be counted as our father David and Solomon and whoever else, whichever lineage would have followed on after him. But you know what ended up happening? You know what? When it goes down and it talks about some of these other great kings, um, Asa and Josiah and Hezekiah talks, talks about, and they were Some of their earthly fathers were not godly. Some of them were like sacrificing to Molech. We're not just talking about a little, you know, maybe a little drinking and carrying on here and there. We're talking about demonized devil worshipers with poles and star worship and all kinds of ridiculous things. But when those kings Stirred 
before. Josiah, I can't even remember how long that lineage was. But there was a calm, deep, deep. Something that couldn't ever be changed. Why? Because David made some strong declarations. And those words, they never fall to the ground, says Scripture. Every prayer, every prayer you pray, they're caught up in bowls. And they're like incense, and they go up before the Lord, up before the presence. And they keep going, and they keep going, and they're eternal. We're made to partner. We're made to walk hand in hand. He came in the cool of the day, and he just hung out. He wants to hang out with us all the time. He wants to encourage us. He wants to speak sweetly over us. He wants us to attack those things that are against who he is and get a perspective change. He wants us to side with heavenly thoughts and let go of lower thoughts. I rejoice, I rejoice, I rejoice over and over and over that I said yes over and over and over. I say just one time. It's almost like a daily thing. I almost feel like I'm, I'm, I'm Joshua sitting there all the time. Okay, Pam, line it up. You ready? On this side, you can choose death. On this side, you can choose life. I suggest ding, 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 life. But we're all faced with those decisions every day. Door number one, door number two. How are we going to decide? Wring our hands, walk the floor. I'm not saying that we don't ever do that, but let's not stay there. Let's get his perspective. Let's humble ourselves. Let's get on our face. Let's declare the word of the Lord. Let's encourage ourselves in God. Do you know that David was just about ready to be lynched by the mob like hours before they made him king? They're ready to kill him because all the people are, you know, zigzag. They're about, all their stuff got taken. And he goes in and he just encourages himself in the Lord. Okay, everybody's against me. I don't know what in the heck to do. What do I do? Do I go up after the stuff? Yeah, I go up after the stuff. I'm with you. All right, guys, we're going to go up after the stuff. They come back with it all. And they made him king. I don't care how black it is. I don't care how dark it is. It's subject to change. 180,000 died in one night. Speak to the mountain. Jesus said, will I find faith when I come back? Or is everyone going to shrink back? I have to speak to mountains every day. There have been so many times I've been tempted. It just seems so hard sometimes. Such a struggle. Such a struggle to sometimes, I'm sorry to believe God for finances sometimes to do the things that he's called me to do. And I remember one time, I was just so sick of it. I just, I thought, how long do you have to keep declaring before, you know, like you see a difference in your checkbook, right? How long? 
And I remember this one time I just said, you know what, God? I'm just done. I'm just going to go to church like everybody else. I'm just going to sit down, and I'll just put my little church face on. God bless you. Hi. 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 You know? I'm sitting there. I'm making this decision because I'm tired. I'm just tired of fighting. I'll just go work. I'll just work till I retire. You know, I'll come home with a little pension, have my little grandchildren. I'll just have a sweet little life, and I'll go up to glory. I mean, it just sounded good to me. I was tired of fighting. I'm putting my makeup on. I'm, just, I'm like, excited. I'm going, yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this right. Okay, I feel good, babe. This little voice. So tiny. I could have popped it by. Tiny voice. Estonia, Pam. There's an assignment on your life and you have a word for these people. What about Estonia, Pam? Oh, to the core. I mean, to the depth, to the core. I am on my knees in my own bathroom before my own vanity, repenting. blood of Jesus and I will declare your goodness among the nations every one of them, any one of them that will give my, listen to my voice I will declare your goodness and your faithfulness amen there's a lot at stake it's not just about us and it's not just about our children it's about the Josiahs we might not even meet him on this side of heaven. But you're speaking a legacy. If the Lord tarries, we don't know what we're going to affect in future generations. I am convinced there is somebody in my bloodline that must have been speaking something out because I'm telling you, I'm an anomaly. I was born with a God conscience. I was born speaking to him from the very beginning of time. I don't remember a thought without him in there in my thoughts. I spoke to him 24-7. Before I uttered a word, I was communing with my God. I don't ever have a memory that he wasn't there. Used to get me in trouble because, you know, when you go around and <clears throat> the icebreakers when you're in Christian circles, what date did you get saved? What date did you get saved? I didn't have a date. My mom said I prayed some prayer when I was about two and a half or three, but I mean, I just always had God. Always, 24-7. I can't take credit for anything. It's all by his grace and mercy. And I know somebody, I'll find out in heaven, aunt, great aunt, somebody so-and-so way back was declaring something over her future legacy. I just know it. Let's be a people that will partner with him. 
He's watching over that word. He's going to perform it. You just watch. 